It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Let's start the show indeed. We're back from the winter break with a brand new 2022 Formula One season. Uh, before we get into the show and what we have planned for you guys, I just wanted to address um, some issues that we had with episodes going out to Spotify. I changed the the software that I used for processing my podcast and there's a formatting issue and I couldn't get the episodes to go on to the Spotify and I realized much too late. So those episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and some of the other streaming platforms. So if you didn't catch them on Spotify, um, please go over to Apple Podcasts or one of the other ones to check those episodes out, especially the Jemmy Reed episode. It was such a good episode. Um, sorry about that. We're going to alleviate that problem in the future. But after that, let's uh, let's jump right in. I'm Andy Lewis. I'm joined by my father, Tim Lewis, or as we like to call him around here, Papa T. Sauce. What up, yeah, Papa T. Sauce? Big, big old Papa. You know it, Daddy-o. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's start this episode for ready. real here. How excited are for you real. for these new cars, for this new season? What's up? Well, you know, it's just, I'm just totally stoked because uh, it's kind of a new, a new, new age as far as um, racing technology goes and uh, the ideas as we have mentioned before that it's uh, to make the race more exciting with and all that so I'm excited because it should be or we hope it will be much much funner to watch and be exciting uh, with all the possibilities with the changes so you go into that yeah so like so the big changes that we are alluding to and i think we alluded to last year and now we just have a visual of what these cars look like is um and you might be saying why switch these cars why are we changing everything It's, it's something that formula one does they have rules they have regulations they have environmental goals that they're trying to reach but with these changes in particular the biggest change is a, is a is a move to ground move back to ground effect cars. Back in the past, there was ground effect cars, uh, and it was it was it was really effective at at causing downforce. Versus, um, but the main idea for the new cars is that with ground effect, the cars will be able to to follow the car in front more closely. The wake of turbulent air will be decreased, and cars will then be able to follow their competitors more closely versus uh, alluding to more overtaking, hopefully. Um, so they do that. I, yeah. Uh, back in the day, the ground effect cars used to have these, like you can look them up. They had like skirts that could be raised and lowered to like allow air from not escaping out the sides and being forced through the, what they call Venturi tunnels underneath the car. They're basically really large diffusers. Um, and these cars have that. And, they, and they've always had ground effect. Like it's not like, oh, it's finally back. They've been on the cars that we just had. It's just to a much lesser extent. These are, it's basically a flip. They're taking like top 
like air moving over the top of the cars, like the front nose and the wings and, and the rear wing. Um, and now it's being kind of more forced underneath the car. But we still have um, front wings. They're just less complex. They, there's a limit to the number of elements or planes that they can have on the front wing. And the rear wing has changed its shape too. But for, but just before we get too detail-oriented, what do you think of the cars, Dad? Do you like the way they look? Are you surprised at the way they look? Uh, I don't know. The one that's most intriguing was, was Williams. It's got kind of a – those side pods are really different than any other car, I think. You and, like – But I think, I think, they, I think they look – I think they look nicer. I, I think they look sexier. I really agree. And I think that that was kind of one of the, the design cues, I guess, was like to to clean up the cars a little bit to make them look a little bit yeah. more like a car, uh, especially yeah. with the sideboards uh, the, that they had toward the end of those last years, the complication and the number of like fins and vortices and like little flips and flaps and doodickies to make the air do what they want to do on the sides were just so complicated. And I think, oh, the other thing we have to, I think that they're doing a lot of this to, to help aid in that cost cap that they implemented this year too. That's something that we uh, definitely have to talk about is every team now is limited to 140, $140 million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> they can only spend $140 million developing their cars. So for teams yeah. like Haas and Williams and, you know, some of the lower teams are like, what? <laughs> I wish we had $140 yeah. million. But big boy teams yeah, really. like Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull who have had decades of just spending I mean, there's 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 records there's um, at, uh, previous seasons Mercedes and Ferrari and them have spent upwards of three hundred million dollars. I think Toyota back in the two thousands broke their record for like four hundred and twenty million pounds or equivalent. Yeah, it was for one season. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, and they I, didn't I'm even win. <laughs> a half a half a yeah, I remember a half a billion dollar budget, but that I guess that would equate to what you mentioned there in pounds so yeah so um so they're trying to to alleviate some of the budget i think by cleaning up some of the cars making them a little bit less um i don't know complicated and 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 i think also if they have a less of that there's less to be broken on the cars i think for like side impacts um other main changes for these regulations are the car's weight the, the weight has gone up. These are significantly heavier cars. Um, a couple of that is due to the fact that, as you can also see by the way the cars changed their looks, they went from the 13-inch rims. Now they're up to 18-inch rims. Um, yep. Which I took a little well, bit of adjusting. Aren't they bigger adjusting. in the back? I think they're all 18s. Yeah, they, but the tires. Oh, may, uh, yeah, the tires would definitely be bigger in the rear because the tires are wider in the back and the front and that and, kind of thing yeah so they're going to be heavier the other so the main weight for the heaviness is coming from a new safety system that's put on to make the car stronger um for impacts and stuff and also um the wheels the wheels are significantly heavier i mean as heavy as a you know formula one 
We're talking. We're still talking like sub eight hundred kilograms. Just so you guys know, I think it's like yeah. seven sixty or something like that, which is heavy mm-hmm. in Formula One terms. But I mean, we're talking. You know, what is that in pounds? I don't know what that is in pounds. It's 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 two point two. It's less than a compact car. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're talking. So, you know, it's less than a, yeah. a hatchback, uh, and they're still going to be having s- somewhere around a thousand horsepower. So I just had this. I just had this image in my mind that they were Formula One went, went to smart cars for their racing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it probably weighs that much. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So. What, uh, let's get back into what the cars look like and why they're so different. I was really nervous when I saw the rendering or like the model that, that F1 had put around. I was like, man, I don't know that. And, but I feel like this, like somebody else said this on one of the other podcasts or YouTubes or something that it's, it always seems this way that like when we have these new cars come in, that they're always like oh, a little goofy, a little weird at first, but then it, your brain really adjusts pretty quickly. And then I, yeah. I was looking back at, you know, even a couple of seasons ago, and I was like, how weird those cars look. Um, I remember the other big aerodynamic change cars that we had. I think it was like 2016, 2015, somewhere around there. Remember the big, weird, like, penis nose things that we had? Well, yeah. Yeah, and it had the, the it like the fin, the, the front wing was on the two pylons that went down closer to the road oh it, yeah it looked like a yeah yeah so that was point. that that was actually um uh one of the reasons that i think we were all really nervous going into this is that the the rules and regulations of this season were were described as being very prescriptive meaning there wasn't a they weren't they didn't seem to allow for a lot of interpretation they were like you're gonna build your car this way so we kind of in the in the F one scene we're all going oh man all these cars are just going to look the same, which I think to a, like yeah. an untrained eye like like my wife would probably be like they all look the same anyways they're all I mean the only thing that's different is their colors, but as you look at the details um, they're very there there's some very different like um, ideas going on here and um, and some of them are a little bit more difficult or, or, or different to see. And like you couldn't see them without them being pointed out to you. I recommend highly going to the race, um, either their podcast or their YouTube channel, because they do absolutely fantastic job, um, pointing out and going through each car. They did a whole launch series where every time a car launched, they went through it and they had, um, a guy that works with them. He was the air, the chief aerodynamicist for formula one. Uh, he was on at Jordan and then he went on to Sahara force India, which is now red. Uh, they were racing point. Now they're Aston Martin, but he, he would go through and really break down all of these aerodynamic changes for them. We're going to be referencing their material a lot in this podcast. So if you want to get the full nerd, uh, I mean, it's it's really, really, really good. I highly recommend it. But one of the things that they were saying is one of the big changes is suspension. Uh, suspension was gonna was gonna change a lot on these cards. There's a, and then there's some split camps between um, push rod and pull rod suspension. I wish I could explain push rod and pull rod suspension to you guys more, but I I can't. But I can give you the basic gen- like reasoning for them changing these is that. 
with uh with the difference of suspensions push rod or pull rod they can allow for the height that those suspension arms sit at um so people will choose a different front and rear suspensions based on where the car needs to sit and how those suspension arms will sit and where they'll sit and how they'll affect the airflow going to the rest of the car at, at least the front that's what the front does and then your the rears are are determined also too by the packaging and how the gearbox sits um so i know that wasn't very helpful but just know the things you need to know is that the suspensions are are significantly different the front nose is significantly different and then the side pods, like my, you heard my dad say earlier that the side pods, so those are like the big uh, open sides of the car where like there's like a hole that you'll see. Those holes on the sides are usually to bring air into the engine or to the radiators to help cool the engine. Um, and there's some, that's where, those are the areas that we're seeing the most design difference. And there seems to be kind of two camps, like, the for uh, the Red Bull Mercedes have both really gone more for like a like what they call a shrink wrap. Like you're trying to really eliminate the most carbon fiber bodywork around the car to get air to move towards the rear quicker and to go over the floor and under so um under the car and into those venturi tunnels to help suck the car down am i doing this good right you following dad is this good yeah definitely because i think the the general premise is is that instead of creating downforce by moving the air over um the spoiler in the rear and the front um uh pin is the best word i can come up with right now yeah it's to move it under the car to create um, like an upside down wing airplane wing effect to create downforce that way uh, by uh, moving more air faster under the car. But then you have to also think of if you're doing too much air, then where's the cooling air going? Uh, not only there, but to the brakes and all of that. So, It'll be interesting that it's a fine dance uh, to get your best aerodynamic effects with uh, ground effects uh, versus can you keep the car running at a temperature that allows it to run? Uh, yeah, that's a, you brought up a very good point. This temperature plays a huge role. Is you want to have as little air going to radiators and cooling and going into those side pods. Um, but you also don't want to have it to where, cause I mean, we're our, for our open one race is Bahrain man. it's going to be, it's going to be hot as snot there. And we have, you know, we, I yeah. have Singapore on the calendar again this year. We have, we formula one right. races in Qatar, Saudi Arabia, you race in some very hot circum, you know, hot areas. Um, right. so you see that's, that cooling is a very important thing. Um, and, and we also want to asterisk again that the cars that we're talking about are just these preseason testing cars. It is, it does show a lot, but now everybody else has seen everybody else's car and um, they can see what's working and what's not working on those cars. And 
and fix those things. And so we might see more more similar cars at the next testing in Bahrain and definitely by the time cars are in full race trim, they might look significantly different than they do now. But they're not going to... I mean, we're talking about they spent, like we said, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars developing these cars. They're not... It's not like they're going to scrap a huge component. Right. They're locked into a lot of the right. stuff that they... And even if they wanted right. to change something... You're, we're talking about they'd have to retool a whole facility to change it, yeah. Because well, you, you know this stuff, can't. To, yeah. Um, one you, and that's one of the, the things that I heard. Why, where the budget caps are really going to hurt um, Mercedes and stuff, and and Red Bull is that they've spent decades and decades developing these really efficient teams to where they were so that where they can have an idea and that idea can be put into an actual physical thing much, much faster than the lower teams. But that costs a ton of money. And they used yeah. to be able to be like, well, that's not working. Scrap it. Build a new thing. And like, they're not going to be able to do that because they're going to be running into these budget caps a lot quicker. Right. Um, that's that's the, the, the interesting. I think that may be part of adding parity to the team uh, as well is that, uh, you know, you might remember that through the course of the year, they, the, the factories will come up with these upgrades sure. periodically. And those are, those upgrades come, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of engineers and, um, you know, craftsmen translating this concept of speed into an actual physical part that you can attach to an, uh, a race car. And, uh, I mean, some of these teams have thousands of employees well, just for the racing. And and we have to we have to um, talk about that. That some of them, like Ferrari, had to let a lot of people go, or shift yeah. shift their. What they did is that they they what in in terms of Ferrari is that they actually gifted a whole bunch of ex Ferrari people to AlphaTauri this year because they had to get under that budget cap. They had to get rid of those employees somehow. Yeah. And so they, so, since, since AlphaTauri is kind of the, the closest thing to a sister team that even though they're, they're, they're really weirdly like, um, or is it, Al, I'm sorry, Alfa Romero, not, um, not AlphaTauri. Um, yeah, but they, they have, um, a lot of their design team and stuff went to to help um, a new form company uh, uh, to work with AlphaTauri because they needed to get rid of uh, some of the budget, some of the. Are you expenses. talking AlphaTauri or, or Alpha, sorry, Alpha Alpha Romero? Alpha. Sorry, yeah. Um, and and yeah. that's that's allowed, and I mean it's literally still on like they they're like close, they're like on the same campus as Ferrari, but. They had to be in a separate building, and they cannot communicate with. There's all these rules, but um, we're getting in the weeds oh, yeah. here. Let's get back to the cars. You said your favorite looking yeah. livery was um, Williams. Well, no, wait. or or was that? Uh, I thought it was interesting with how Williams developed their side pods. I don't, I don't think there's any other car out there. Well, if we're if we're that talking like, interesting side pods, we have to talk Ferrari because they by far have the most radical design. I remember listening to the races breakdown of it, and their their aerodynamics guy 
uh, was like, I don't see it. I don't see how this is going to work. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to, I'm not trying to say that. I mean, I've been out of the sport. He's like, but, but they know something that I don't know because they have right. by far the largest side pods of any other car. And they have yeah. this interesting, like the side pods extend out really far. I mean, you guys should all just go look at pictures. I'm sure you've all, if you're listening to a formula one podcast, you've all looked at pictures of the cars. So you notice that they have this really long elongated, they, their side pods are the widest side pods like um, available by the prescriptions, which is, or, or the racing regulations, which is very different to every other, most every other car. There was a few that went this kind of wider, like you said, Williams had that too, but theirs have this like kind of tunnel that they're calling it or Valley that goes into the top side of the car. And then they have louvers on top to let gases out, which I'm a big fan of louvers. I don't care what it does. I know they're functional. and I know they're like there to allow to release low pressure and allow heat and stuff, but they also just look the business. I think it looks so cool. Yeah. Um, so my eyes naturally gravitated both to the Ferrari and the red or the um aston martin i think that green looks great and those louvers yeah. down the side and it just looks kind of sleek and sexy and and purpose built uh the ferrari it seems interesting because those valleys and that and that and then but then they have a serious undercut underneath that side pod and what they were saying is that they, yeah. they're trying to create this kind of double diffuser effect with it to where yeah because the floor still extends out underneath that. So you have the floor and then you have the side pod. So it's kind of creating a whole nother, like the, what they call a double diffuser. They used to have the double diffusers back in the, was that 20, 20, like 2005s eras, I want to say. Don't quote me, yeah. that, obviously, but it, you know, all these teams are, are, are taking what they've learned from the collective years of being a team and, and trying to find ways to fine tune them. But I think it's I, – I like – the thing that I like about Ferrari, they also have a very upgraded engine. They finally went to the split turbo, which um, Mercedes and Red Bull have been doing since the very beginning. Um, so I, I – I mean, they and, they – and they have to show. They have to show something because they basically said they weren't really focusing that hard on 2021 and they were really putting a lot of their emphasis on this car. So – and I like that it's different. I really like that they didn't just, you know, like they're they're trying. If if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But at least they tried. You know what I'm saying? They didn't just, yeah, do the same. Well, they knew thing. they had to do something different. They knew they had to do something different because they, you know, they've just been hanging around the mid pack all for years. Yeah, and and I think you can, but you, and I think it's actually a smarter play because if you look at like. Um, Aston Martin, which I brought up before, where they did the pink Mercedes, where they they didn't really technically break any rules, but they also I was listening to the race again that that chief aerodynamicist guy he said, but they didn't design that car. They just took Ferrari or I mean M Mercedes car and copied it. And you can learn a lot yeah. from that, but you also you didn't design it, so you don't know how it really works to it. Like you do because you're smart and you're an and whatever, but because it wasn't your pen to your paper, your mouse to your screen, whatever, 
Yeah. You don't have that full understanding of, of designing something from the ground up and it being yours. It's, it's, you're trying to figure out how somebody else's idea was, was put out into practicality. And, and you, I think that's why you saw them struggle so much last year when they changed that floor. They didn't really understand the full extent of how that floor changed affected the car. I mean, we saw Mercedes themselves struggle with it, but they, because it was their design and their car, they were much, they, they, they bounced back much quicker. And, and we saw Red Bull not really, or I'm sorry, um, Aston Martin not really have an answer for those, those regulation changes next year. So it, it helped them and it hurt them. Whereas Ferrari is like, well, we're going to do our own thing. We're Ferrari. We do, we set the rules. <laughs> so it's, it's a good thing because it's their car and, and, and and from testing, they look great. They look fast. And I think that surprised a lot of people because they looked so different. They had a different interpretation of what the regulation said. And yet they're still finding the, the lap times. They're still – I mean, Russell and George Russell himself said, we're weeks behind Ferrari and McLaren. Um, whether yeah. or not that, that was a, a divergent strategy where they're trying to, like, throw them off because they did also top the leaderboard in times at the end of the um, testing. But we'll get to that when we get to testing. But the the long and the short of it is Ferrari looks looks – much more like especially last year they came on at the end of the year because they had some of those engine upgrades that I think are going to be even more realized on this season's car. Um, mm-hmm. But it is good for the sport to have Ferrari back up, back up on top, back up fighting for regular race wins. You know, when you think of formula one, yeah. you, you do think of Ferrari. That Yeah. They're the they're, they're, okay. they're the longest running team in Ferrari or in in Formula One. They're the most winning team in Formula One. They have by far the biggest brand recognition of any other team. I mean, it's it is racing like that. <laughs> Enzo Ferrari is very famously said the only reason he ever built road cars was to fund his racing. So it's an important yeah. part yeah. of the brand. And also why it's been so so tumultuous for them for the last years is because when your identity is so wrapped up in that and you're losing <laughs> and you're doing very yeah. bad on top of losing, like it's 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 bad. So it is really good to see them looking good. And I think the car and I think the livery, that darker red looks really good. Um, yeah. I thought I think the McLaren looks good. I just think it's a little busy. I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand the blue. I mean, it's got to be for some some sort of sponsorship. Um, I think it's I think it's because there's more Bronco fans. On oh, that. brother, don't even start with me on that nonsense. <laughs> no, no, I thought the McLaren. I, I, I don't know. I thought the McLaren came out as my favorite livery. Oh, really? Um, it's because you're Bronco. Yeah. No, maybe. It's hard to be a Broncos fan now. I, I, I have to we have to talk about Red Bull and their BS livery launch that was such a joke where they just put their livery on on the on the Formula <laughs> One car and called it a, a launch. That was that was really disappointing because we saw a very different yeah. car show up at testing from that original launch. And I think yeah. the way they did that was just I mean, the more that that I I, I hate to say it, but like 
Horner and that team just really starting to rub me the wrong way. I just feel like they're so, I don't know, sneaky, you know, and just uh, and 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 that statement that came out about the end of the season that there was strategy that won them the race that they had a better strategy and that's why they won the world championship. I just wanted to scream. You got so lucky, and you're saying it was strategy. Like, I just can't. I couldn't yeah. abide it. I was so mad. So let's not talk about Red Bull, even though they look, yeah. even though they look fast again. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. thing, it's, before it's, we get too far away, that I've, I just, my, my ADD brain, sorry, bear with me. The other really big change this year that will impact the cars a little bit is that they have to use 10% re- re- renewable fuels this year. So it's, it's coming from an ethanol-based fuel, but... 10% of the, the fuel going into the cars is renewable, which kudos to them. So, sorry. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, it, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. It's part of their push. They are really strongly pushing for a synthetic fuel, some sort of synthetic fuel. I know a lot of formula... Former, former Formula One people have this company that they've really investing a lot of money in. I know Porsche is investing heavily in it, um, but it's like this carbon capture synthetic fuel type thing where they're trying to mm. basically reverse engineer global warming and capture carbon that's been already used and turn it back into fuel, which would be, I mean, so cool. Wow. You're, you're, you're making yes, the environment better and we get to have fuel and we can continue to go racing. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so getting back, yeah. getting back to the cars, I really think AlphaTauri once again, had a really, really solid livery again. I, I mean, blue and white. I just missed those white wheels. Yeah. I think, I think that would have been really cool. And maybe that's what I think is really cool about the, the Merc is that they have the, or yeah, the, I'm sorry, the McLaren is they have the, the multicolored rims that looks really really cool um yeah well there was what was the other car that had the real colorful uh wheel covered in testing that came out in testing i think um, it might have been um alpine yeah 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 you're right they have a they I have thought a that was- pretty okay livery too i think all in all most of the cars look great I think the other big standout that we had, I can't believe we took us this long to talk about, is the return of the Silver Arrows. Mm. Uh, for those of you who don't yeah. know, the, the the black Mercedes that we've had for the last couple of years, that was part of the whole the whole um, Black Lives Matters. We race as one. It's kind of a, uh, you know, showing solidarity to that movement. And and now we're we're returning to the historic... Mercedes are usually when they race, they race silver and they're called the silver arrows. And so we see a, a return to that. I, I'm, a, I'm okay with it. I mean, I think for out of the, the big three teams, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, I think we can throw McLaren's punching up there. But um, I would say Ferrari to me has the better looking car. Just aesthetically, I'm just saying just aesthetically, livery-based. I'm not talking about performance yet. Um, but 
I think Red Bull's the the lead. I think they have one of the worst liveries. It's basically last year's livery with a with a different um, sponsors, but um, and Mercedes looks. I mean, looks like a a older Mercedes to me, just updated. Um, but, but Ferrari like changed come the on. color. Hey, what? Hey, <laughs> hey, what? Come on, I I I get the I get the silver arrow thing with Mercedes, but. Man, you gotta get rid of them little Mercedes stars. Oh, really? I like that. That's like the that's like the one thing I liked. Oh uh, well, I don't. I really that's liked it I on could. the. I really liked it on the on the black cars when they did it in white, or they had it in like a different color. I yeah. don't know. I I I, I, I like that I, kind of stuff. At least it's something. At least yeah. it's a it's some sort of design element. It's not like just. Red Bull. Uh, we have a blue car. Put a big Red Bull on the side, and then stickers everywhere. I don't care. You know, it's like they it seems like there's no thought put in it whatsoever. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, maybe so, that's maybe. They, but I mean, but but if I had to, I, I'll let you get back to what you're talking about. But that, those things, I just it looks like it's like you kind of throw up in your mouth, kind of feeling to me. <laughs> I just don't like them. Yeah, I I really like the Aston Martin, although I don't think they're they're not. I hope they I hope they do better this year. Uh, but I'm I'm a big fan of the green. I'm a big fan of the Louvres. I think they have a really nice looking car. I just hope it's faster than last year's. um, You know, I was was thinking that was you know McLaren and followed by um, Aston Martin were my top two as far as I thought you said Williams for me. Well then, well Williams is up there because of that cool looking blue baby. It I is. Mean, it is a. It is a very like geometrically cool. Like I. But I then like that. It. Then that. I don't know. I think the side pod sexiness of the of the Williams is just you know it kind of catches my eye. All right, we got to get moving on, man. We're 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 we're. we're I we didn't know yeah. how long we'd be talking because we do have to talk about some things about that happened during testing that. Um, and what happened during testing. But one of the big things that was all the rage, if you were following along, is the porpoising effects that were happening because of the ground effect cars. Um, do you want to talk about porpoising? Do you want me to? No, I, I, I mean, it, I don't understand it. I mean, is it a suspension problem or is it... It's from, uh, from what I... Go ahead. Ground effect or is it... Well, you know the suspension issues are changed, and then, and then of course the the massive switch to ground effect aerodynamics. Um, what what's the deal? I don't think so. It's 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 you get the sense that you, they even know what's going on. Oh yeah, they, it's it's a very common. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a, an effect of the ground effect cars. They had this problem back when they had ground effect on the previous time. But basically, okay. you you were right. It is it has to do with ride height and it has to do with the ground effect. So basically, what's happening is when the ground effect is working too well, it sucks the car down too low, and it causes the air to stall in some point along the venturi. I, th- I guess usually more towards the, the the throat is what they call it, and it kind of causes the yeah. car to it'll stall that air because it's working too well. The seal to the ground is too well. It kind of stalls the air, which causes it to uh, uh, another part of the car to lift up 
and right. then and then they'll slow it down and it and it'll, it'll bring the car back up but then it'll get going in and it'll suck it back down and it kind of starts this oscillating kind of porpoising this rock you can go on to instagram and just look it up but it, there's a really, really charlotte claire going down the straight of catalonia and it's just like woo, 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 just bouncing up and down up well, and down all the way down so you well, have and then you, you see the effect of, the effect of that on his head yeah i mean can you imagine what being bounced up and down like that? Well, I mean, you talk about you talk about that they feel vibrations when they flat spot their tires, and this is the whole car yeah. just we're talking movement of inches up and down. Uh, yeah. So the 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 quickest way to um to resolve that is to allow for more airflow. So either by raising up the height to which the car rides at, or putting holes in the floor to allow air to, to escape. But either one of those is going to limit the effects of the downforce throughout the rest of the lap. Porpoising only really is an effective thing on like straights where you have long periods of air being right. flowing at a very steady rate from what I understand. Um, yeah. And this plagued every team. I want to say that, that everybody had this porpoising issue. This was also somewhat expected. And one of the reasons for that is that during wind tunnel testing and uh, COD testing and stuff is you can't run full force downforce like you, you because they're on these belts and you can't run the risk of it ripping the belt or touching the belt or it it it, it they they can't they can't run that full effect is basically what I uh what I learned from my research. Um, that, I mean, when you talk about when you, you know, when you see formula one cars going down the race and then you see the sparks coming off the ground, it's because they're actually hitting the ground and you can't simulate that in a wind tunnel. So these were, that's, this is why we do testing is, or why formula one does testing is to see these issues that you cannot see in simulation or you cannot see in the wind tunnel and, and adjust it and make, make it, um, changes. So everybody had this issue, but um some to a lesser degree um and the team that got it the best which is really interesting to me is is mclaren and the race did a really excellent youtube video i highly recommend it it's on their youtube channel go check it out they can do a much better um more in-depth description of what what they did but i'll give you the layman's version here and so they have some sort of um well, the way they saw this is on one of the, I think it was the third day of preseason testing, they they took uh, water trucks and wet the track, simulating a wet, a wet race so that Pirelli could get data on wet tires and intermediate tires and, and the crossover times and stuff. But while they were running in the wet, McLaren had these really pronounced side vortices um, where some part of their car is causing this and you can I mean you can see this. It's like a circular vortice going down the side of the car. And what they're saying that's that's doing is um, it's creating what they're calling like an air skirt or an air air flap or whatever, oh, yeah. where it's keeping the air from escaping or or it's helping the air stay f- stay in movement and not stall along the sides yeah. and because of that because they have that air 
air skirt or whatever, they don't have to run as low to the ground. So, okay. so when they're, def- when they're, when they're, venter- when their ground effect is in full force, they're actually still running at a higher relative ride heights. Cause that's the other big difference to a lot of these cars to get ground effect to work. You have to be really slammed to the ground. You have to be low to the ground um, because they mm-hmm. don't have those skirts that they, they had in the past. Um, But, but McLaren was the ones to really figure this out. So what 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 does that mean? If if the race saw it, if we know this, then every other Formula One team saw it and noticed it as well. And they're gonna try to do to figure out how they did that and develop some sort of yeah. of way to copy or mimic that. But why that but that's still an advantage to McLaren because while those teams are like especially Ferrari, who had the most dramatic porpoising effect, is now they have to fix that. They can't work on the other developments that they want to work on, they have to figure, they have to fix this porpoising thing. So, and McLaren, if they, while they had porpoising as well, so they just have a less extent that they're going to have to work on that. And they can focus on other areas of development for more time than the, the teams that were, are going to have to now kind of basically copy yeah. the idea. Well, do you think that McLaren knew that, that they, had come up with the idea and developed the car around that, or did they just fortuitously just saw it in the wet and they said, "Hey, we got something here," and oh. then they're going to develop it? No, Wouldn't that be quite a story because they funny. had they had that term already ready for it. I mean, you, I don't oh, think okay. you have that happen by accident. I just think that the running in the wet let us see it. Because there was people commenting. Okay. I mean, if you just look at like the pictures, the McLaren is noticeably rides at a noticeably higher height than the other cars, and um, yeah, and that's because they're having these air skirt kind of things where the the air is being kept under the car at a higher rate or at a, at a higher ride height. So, um, yeah. I got you. So the other big thought. oh yeah, go it's- for it. Because I think there's some things in racing that I think people just stumble onto. Um, and I wonder if this is one of those things. And I mean, I'm sure they, and, I'm sure they had an idea and they put it forth and then they saw evidence to back it up in the wind tunnel and simulation and stuff. But I don't think they knew to the extent that they would be ahead, you know? Yeah. But right. I like it. I want to see McLaren back up at the top. I think they're also one of those big teams that have had a really amazing history and I would love to see them back. And I, I two of my favorite drivers drive yeah. for them. I love Lando. I really want to see him get yeah. his first win. And this is just evidence pointing to that. We're going to see some McLaren podium. We're definitely going to see McLaren podiums and we're, we we're for sure would probably see some wins too. If they're, if they are ahead of the curve, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, that's what's so exciting about all this. It's like, God, where did they come from? Uh, England. Kind of thing. <laughs> huh? England. They're from England. They're an English team. I know that. That's so, what I'm saying. You know, so we'll, let's let's kind of go through testing. We gotta get we gotta get going on this. We're running. We're yeah. Man. We're we're, we're so we have ready to get the boring. Uh, um, fastest time by team here. I got a little graphic. Um, at the end of testing, we had 
um, Mercedes um, up at the top with a 119.138. So, and I think they said the la- that pole position lap at, at Spain was a 118-something last year. So originally yeah. they thought these they, they said these cars were going to be two to three seconds a lap slower than than the previous generation cars and we're already at just about a, a little over a second faster or slower yeah so well that's a yeah. big win um and because remember this is the this is the starting point for these cars and they're not it's not these cars are going to get faster and faster throughout the rest of the season and I don't I wouldn't be that surprised if by the end of this season we're back to pretty competitive or similar lap times if not faster lap times than um last year's which were or you know i think they said 2020s cars were the fastest formula one cars on record um and we're still and we're only a second but we do also have good reporting back that i, I think i saw a clip from charles leclerc that says that Within that second to second and a half range, there it's much easier to follow cars, and it really doesn't get to the where you're until you're about a half a second to where it starts to go back to being kind of there's more turbulent air again. So so yeah. we, it is really great that we're not having slower like they're slower, but they're not like crazy slower, but they are faster or easier to follow. So that's good. Um. And so McLaren or Mercedes was at the top with that 119. Uh, and that was Lewis Hamilton. He's said, he also had a quote that says, if you thought it was impressive what I did last year at the end of the season, wait till you see this season. So obviously he's coming back. I guess we didn't even address that. that there was all those rumors over the break that he was going to retire and he wasn't going to come back and protest of, of how the FIA handled that, which we still have to talk about that too. Um, but he did come back. He is coming back and he's coming back with a vengeance. So I'm, I'm, I would be scared. I would be nervous. I just, and it looks like they have a car to do it with. However, you had that from, from him. And then you had George Russell who was saying we're behind or we're, we're weeks behind McLaren and Ferrari. So you know, and I feel like this is always kind of a Mercedes thing since in preseason testing where they're like, oh, we're not very good. Actually, we're great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Perez um, came in with a, a 119.5. And um, then we had Lando Norris, a 119.56. Uh, things to note though, too, is that Lewis Hamilton, all of the fast laps from Mercedes were done on the C5 tire, which is the softest compound yeah. tire. Um, yeah. because then we also had just to, just to do some comparison, we had Ferrari, Charles Leclerc at a 119.6, but he was already on the, he was on the C3. Um, yeah. and the Red Bull, both the Red Bull and the McLaren times were on C4 tires. And they were saying that. The pace advantage at testing tire per tire was was much higher than what they would they would see in um, normal racing temps. I guess it was abnormally cool for Spain when they were testing, um, and so they were yeah. seeing higher 
higher discrepancies between tire times. So if Ferrari is doing a 119.6 on a two two compounds harder tire than Mercedes and they're only five tenths off, then they're saying, you know, and they were saying that the compounds at Spain were giving them a second, uh, a lap faster advantage. And they say that's actually going to be more like a half a second in racing temps, but that still means that Ferrari has some significant pace there. Um, if they're they're basically yeah. running, you know, they're on mediums and in and Mercedes is on softs, and they're within half a second of each other. That's that's powerful. That seems very um, very doable. And then, for sure. And yeah. then coming in fifth, we actually had Aston Martin. Uh, with Sebastian Vettel at a 119.8. Uh, Gasly was then uh, sixth, and he had a 119.9, and then we get into the Williams and we're into the 20s. Um, the other thing I think that we wanted to, that was noted about uh, that the teams that struggled were definitely um, Alfa Romero, Haas, uh, Alpine, and Williams. They all were... I mean, Haas especially only had like, they only got like 50 laps in. Um, uh, AlphaTauri had some, I mean, Gasly binned it and they had some problems. Alpha, um, Aston Martin had a fire, but they think that what they know exactly what that was. It was some sort of oil leak. Um, but all in all, I think there was something like six red flags. Most of them were caused by Haas and Alpine. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Haas, and, and then there was the Aston Martin one. But Alfa Romero had really poor uh, reliabilities that kept them from participating in most of the testing. I think they only had, like, like Botas got, like, 50 laps in when you compare it to, like, Hamilton had, like, over 300 laps or over 200 laps or something like that. Um they're at a significant disadvantage already, those teams. Um, and then Haas had to remove their, <laughs> remove their sponsorship on one of the days of testing. And we have to, we'll talk about that too a little bit later here. We get to the implications of what that's going to mean for them uh, with the whole Russia war thing. Um, so all in all, uh, preseason testing it was really cool to just oh the other thing that's what i was going to say is everybody was saying that alpine sounded like they weren't they a never used their drs they never had drs open and the people that were there on track said that it didn't sound like the engine was turned up like they were running at a lesser mode which they were like are they trying to hide something but that doesn't really make any sense or are they trying to protect something um but they were really confused as to why they weren't running their engine on full because there's no other team that uses a Renault engine. And so the only data that they can get the engine people is from the Renault, the Alpine car themselves. Um, and if it's not running at full chat, then they can't really get the data that they need. So that's interesting because I, I had really had this uh, ex like thought that they were going to, I had heard some stuff from other people that they were really going to be good this year, but it's it's starting to not look that great. I mean, we also had all last year, we had Alonzo sporting the L plan 
and he has it on the back of his on his rear wing this year is the uh, l plan l plan like this it, it kind of has taken on this like mythic growth and he actually was commenting on it and he's like it's well we actually have to do it but l plan might be a five-year plan <laughs> not a not a one-year plan um anything yeah, we'll see what see what see what uh, the next test testing at Bahrain does shows precisely There's... anything else that you you noticed from testing that you wanted to say or No, I think I think uh, the cooler weather may have really skewed things, and we'll see what happens in Bahrain. I, whether we'll see Alpine kind of start to raise when you get into more racing type climate weather, I guess I would say. Because uh, see, I didn't I was I didn't realize that Alpine had really seemed like they turned things down. That's just what I heard from people that were on the ground there. But again, yeah. there, there's no other, right. there's no other Renault powered cars on the grid for where you can, right. you know, you could hear a well, difference. Look, and they were coming on, they were really coming on last year. So, well, the, more so the year uh, before, 2020, they is when they had those that that run of podiums with with Ricardo, and they really struggled. They fell so back I, last let's year. Let's just see what Bahrain brings. To, to to Renault because there's some scuttlebutt that they got something really going. So who do you think? Who do you think? Who was your pick for winning? Or who do you think had the best performance at at Spain? The best testing performance? Well, I I guess if you go by the numbers, you, you'd have to say Mercedes, and I. Um, but they were running. On, but I think on there's a, a two, lot of talk about softer tire. McLaren. Well, yeah, and that's what the. But I just listening to some of the people on Formula One's podcast and the race. They think something's up with Ferrari and McLaren. That uh, hold on to your butt because something's going to happen. I I'm, and, and even after, I'm really even after Martin. The, yeah, I think Aston Martin is going to be. I think they'd be lucky to get to fifth place this year. I'm going to say that. Um, yeah. That, I think that's their, um, I think that's their goal is fifth in the constructors, but we'll see or in, in both drivers and constructors, but I, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, I mean, I guess that's kind of a safe bet. If you have Red Bull, McLaren, Ferrari, you know, but I, I think AlphaTauri looks stronger than them. I think they have a, a nicer looking package, um, based on aerodynamics yeah. stuff, but yeah. well, it's a long way to see. It's a long way to go. I I'm really That's intrigued why. by Ferrari. I really am. I think mm-hmm. you know to put up those kind of times and have that kind of look with with the extent of the porpoising issues that they had, because they were by far the most plagued by that. I think if they can really yeah. get that under control, um, that engine looks really strong. They look really strong. Um, McLaren looks really strong. I mean, just imagine if we had four way, four way fight. Um, it's going to make each and every race count for a lot more if you have more teams oh, yeah. fighting. Um, yeah. because you look at how close it came down to last year, and you know, McLaren and Ferrari were were nowhere near the top. You know, where they were hundreds of points behind. Um, 
And then you we have we have to talk about Russell looking really strong. I mean, the first couple of days he was outpacing Hamilton, and then Hamilton, you know, did his thing. But it's not like he's a right. stranger to that car. I mean, he's been the reserve test driver for years now. He's actually raced that when Hamilton tested positive back in 2020, and he was on on course for a win in a Mercedes. And so, but I am I am also very excited to see just truly how quick George can be, and how much that will play into Hamilton's title chances. Um, because let's be honest, as much as I love Botas, he wasn't taking a ton of points off of Bo- uh, of Hamilton last year. Um, no. And if he will be reserved to more of like a, a second driver role or like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm re- that, that's really intriguing to me. Uh, yeah. Anything else about testing before we move on to just some more news, news stuff and wrap it up? No, I, I think that, I think we've, Kind of done the the testing thing. Yeah, we're going to wait to for Bahrain testing, and so um, the news. Yeah, is interesting uh, yeah. too. So the the the, yeah. the the big news things yeah. I want to cover is that um, the FIA had their 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 look into themselves <laughs> and found yeah. very little was done wrong. <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> Um, but I think with the pressure, uh, from Massey or from, uh, Mercedes and Hamilton and the, the potential looming threat of the biggest name in the sport walking away, which, as I said, at the end of the last year, that that was never going to happen. And I was right. But, uh, Massey, uh, Michael Massey, the race director from all last year, he's out. He's no longer going to be, um, uh, the race, the sole race director, and instead there's going to be a dual race director role. Um, I, sh- I should have. Um, I apologize to you guys uh, that I didn't uh, properly research that and have those names right here on at my fingertips. But you can look it up yourself. <laughs> um, but they're both two former motorsport. They uh, were uh, race directors in in different um, uh, series of motorsport. And then uh, uh, they will have like a dual race director role where they'll be taking turns in in a sense of um, who the, uh, who's going to be kind of mostly in charge at each race is the way I understand it. And then also Charlie Whiting's old assistant. For those of you who don't know, Charlie Whiting had a kind of he was a he was the race director of Formula One for for years, and he had a a sudden death, um, rest in peace kind of thing. Um, and that's when Massey kind of stepped up and moved, assumed that role. And what a lot of people alluded to is that Charlie could do that role because he had been doing it for so long and had a, had a better handle on things, but having somebody come in that wasn't him, we saw him kind of struggle and make some pretty, pretty bad calls and, and really struggled in that role. So I don't know if that's, down to him as a person i really reserve the right to or reserve saying that about him because i don't know him but i'm just going on what other people said but it's kind of seems like a, a difficult position to be in anyways other big changes are that uh oh, anyway charlie whiting's where i was getting with that is charlie whiting's old assistant guy i forget his name too i'm so sorry but he'll be he'll be coming back in some capacity to advise and oversee 
this this transition to their new system that they're developing this year. They're also going to do away with the direct communication that we had last year, which I think, I mean, as and it won't be broadcasted again, which that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> I really liked hearing some of that um, radio chatter between um, the, the race director and the, the teams. But I do think that that made it very difficult to make, like that was too much direct influence when you have Horner saying stuff and you have Toto screaming at him and he's trying to make a decision that, you know, really affects safety of people and racers. Uh, so I think that's good. So there'll be like a communicator. So each team will have uh, their racing guy that will communicate to a guy inside the uh, the race director's office and then he will be able to relay information to the race director um and then they're also going to implement some sort of like virtual review thing that like they use in other sports which i guess they already kind of had um but it's going to be bolstered up um to make decisions better um so it's kind of from what i understand like massey being out was kind of a big thing for Mercedes being okay with it, but I still think, I still think it's kind of the weakest. It, 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 it's the, they admitted that they were wrong without actually admitting that they were wrong because they'll never admit that they were wrong. And I think that's kind of what you're going to, the best we're hoping to get when you're reviewing yourself, you know, it's like how many of us can have the, to have the goal to like actually critique ourselves accurately when you know millions and billions of dollars are on the line and and credit and stuff so i i I think it's enough obviously it's enough because hamilton's back and it's it we're kind of moving past it but i still think it was it was it it was i don't know what do you think pops well i think that the uh i get it if you had, if you asked me, I think my gut sense is that Matthew's scapegoat, and, and uh, for not really dealing with, um, I, I, I don't know. It's just so screwed up. Yeah, Andy. it's just uh, there could have been a better way to end that season, but now it's behind us, and it may make for perhaps one of the most tenacious uh, quest of Sir Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we may be the beneficiaries of, uh, of being able to watch some incredible racing by who I think is the greatest Formula One racer today. I agree. Um, I, and I just want so to clarify that we, Massey's not fired. I mean, he's just not race director. I don't think he's done i think he'll be moved into a different no he's role. in the, he's a, he's in some capacity but which is good i don't um, think he deserved to be fired but i definitely don't think he did the job of race director to the best of his ability well, i think there was some some, yeah. some bad calls that were um that definitely need to be addressed i mean you look back to when he left cars out on put cars back out on the track even though there was a recovery vehicle still out on track i mean that's how Jules Bianchi died. You know, like there's some, right. there's some, there's some things you just can and cannot do as a racing director. And I think putting drivers 
in harm's way um, is should be top of the list. Um, and I think there was that there was a little level of ambiguity under him all the last year of what is okay and what is not okay as a racing driver. And like when there's when you're unclear as to what you can do as a racing driver, that I think that leaves. Like, what if we had rules on the road where you're like, oh, yeah, you can sometimes drive on the shoulder if you want. Pass a car on the shoulder. You know, it's like, no, we have rules that, that are supposed to keep us safe. And I, I don't think there's right. there was there wasn't clear rules to, to what racers can and cannot do. And I think that they really need to address that. Yeah, and that's so, a great point. That's a great point. Um, the other big news that we have to talk about is Russia. Um, and, and how that actually um, impacts Formula One and Haas in particular. I mean, you all, I'm sure, are aware that, you know, Russia invaded um, Ukraine. Um, Haas removed their title sponsorship, which is um, Ma- Mazepin's dad. Is, is His company is basically the title sponsor. And he was one of those 33 or some 30... Uh, Russian oligarchs who were summoned to the Kremlin before Russia invaded. I mean, he's, he's close to Putin. <laughs> um, yeah. And so there's huge financial sanctions in place now where, you know, he actually cannot move money out of the country um, as part of that. So I, I, I that's going to affect Haas if they can't get money to Haas. <laughs> um, and then just this morning I saw that, there's been calls. Um, I mean, the the Russian race is officially canceled. They originally came out saying it we cannot undergo a race um, in these climates, which I think was the most PC or you know uh, PRE way of canceling the race without canceling it. But I saw this morning that it's officially canceled. Um, the Olympic organization and uh, FIFA, the soccer body um both banned all or are, pro- are prohibiting all russians from competing in any official capacity in their league and uh the fia usually uh is it follows the same charter as the olympic um the, the olympic charter so there was there was risk that um uh mazepin um would not be able to race but i guess he, they just um Daniel Kvyat, he was a former Formula One driver. He also racing in, I think, uh, some GT series or Le Mans series. Really was outspoken and saying, "Please, please don't, um, don't persecute the individual drivers." But um, I mean, we discon, you know, it's not good what Russia's doing, but we're not doing that. You know, we're just Russians by birth. I can't help that. I think Mazepin and his father's connection right. is a little bit different, but. From what I when I read this morning on the races website, it said um, that uh, Russian drivers will still be able to race. They, however, cannot race under a Russian flag or using um, Russian liveries or anything like that. They'll have to race under a neutral flag, which would be the FIA flag. So you probably will see, you know, not a a Russian flag next to Mazepin's name, but the FIA flag if he if he chooses to move forward with racing this season. So uh, yeah. more news to follow on that. But what uh, what Mohammed bin Salam, Salaman, the FIA um, CEO guy, 
uh, he announced that uh, international combination wouldn't would take place would not take place in Russia or Belarus uh, and their flags. Oh, that's what I just said. Okay, sorry. Uh, only under yeah. neutral capacity. Yeah, that's what I said. So, uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, well, then, then, in, our, in our in our hearts and our our you know, all of our intentions go out to the people of Ukraine. Now, I really, really am sorry that this is happening. I really, I was a history major in in college, and this is it's just it's it's, it's bizarre to have a land invasion yeah, in Europe. This is the first time it's happened since World War Two. In case you didn't know, I mean, it's yeah. it's a really terrible situation, and I'm I'm really sorry um and i mean this is silly formula one well but it, i'm glad that formula one is taking some sort of stance to to help end this um in whatever capacity yeah can. well and then that is, is the livery of the hawk going to change since it looks like a russian flag on wheel uh i i I mean, I, yeah, I think it. Um, maybe it will. I, and there's nothing been official well, besides I, their sponsorship is removed. So, um, but yeah, they, you know, yeah. it could be on the verge of not having a, a a driver, not having its main funding, biggest sponsor, and yeah, having, you know, that's they a. May not ever, they may not show up on the grid. Yeah, I I really don't know. I That's think a lot grade. of a lot of teams and drivers, I guess, have reached out and said, "We'll we'll help you in any way to keep you guys going." We and get them out of there. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, which is really unfortunate because if if, you, if we all recall, Haas kind of abandoned last year's season to focus on this year's season. Yeah, to put research into what's going on this year, and it would be unfortunate if they couldn't. I mean, really, the the real answer to the question is Gene Haas just needs to put more of his own money in his team, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, all right. The other news, we got, what was, go ahead. We got to wrap this up, Pops. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Sorry. We'll we'll update you as we update on this. But the other news I wanted to say is uh, Bahrain testing is um, on the 10th. So we don't have too long, too much longer to see Formula One cars, the new 2022 Formula cars, back in action with more updates. Uh, Drive to Survive season four comes out the 11th. I know I am jonesing for that. I'm really excited to see that because it was interesting when they manufactured drama. Now let's see what happens when they have real drama to report on. So that's going to be really interesting. Uh, and then we have our first, our season opener, the Bahrain Grand Prix on the 20th. And then we have the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix on the 27th. So March is a big month for Formula One. I can't wait for it. What about you? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. All I gotta say. I'll, I'll give you the last word. Anything else you wanted to say, Pops? No. Just, not without opening more discussion. We're, we're too long now, and yeah, fortunately we have another day. Well, but, uh, yeah, it was great talking with you about Formula One again, and it was great to be back here giving you guys uh, some some fun, some content to listen to. I hope you enjoyed it, um, and we'll see you not too long uh, for another episode. Have a good one. Yeah. Yo, yo.